What do you get when you cross chemistry, memory, sensuality, individuality, and fashionability? A beautiful alchemy. The Fragrance Files. Hello and welcome to this first in a new series of talks which we've called The Fragrance Files. My name's Lulu Hartgen and I am your resident perfumiste <laughs> and I'll be taking you through some facts about fragrance together with some of my personal favourites and examples of different kinds. I don't know whether you know very much about fragrance or perfumes or whatever you'd like to call them. I have had a passion for them all my life ever since when I was a little girl and I used to sit in the bedroom doorway and hear my mum get ready to go out for the evening. I would hear the clink of her makeup boxes and the slithery chink of her putting on her pearls and then I would hear the sound of her uncapping her one bottle of Chanel number no. 5. I would hear the sound of it being opened and then I would smell that wonderful waft of the smell of it coming towards me and I was totally hooked from that moment on. I was totally never allowed to touch that bottle, ever, ever, but when I was especially good she might give me one tiny drop of it on my skin and that made me feel special, you know, and that's what perfume does for us. However rubbish a day we might be having, I always feel that if I put on a spritz of something lovely, however horrible I feel, it makes me feel feminine. It makes me feel special. Now, when you start out to learn about perfume, especially if you read up about it online, you might come across all kinds of terms that you don't understand, like eau de toilette, eau de parfum, sillage longevity, projection, and you might think, what on earth? <laughs> so I'm going to talk you through a few things about fragrance that you might not know. The first thing to know is that fragrance reacts with the chemistry of your skin, so that what smells nice on your best friend might smell like toilet cleaner on you. This has happened to me more than once in my life, and it's very frustrating but it's just one of those mysterious things about perfume that you have to know and understand. So it's always quite important to test something on yourself before you buy it. The other thing to know is that a perfume is made up of several different notes. So that a perfume smells one way when you first put it on, but as it dries down, that's another perfume term that you'll hear a lot if you read about it, as it dries down, the smell will change. So what smells absolutely gorgeous on your skin the moment you spray it on in the department store might smell awful when you've had it on for like 15 minutes or so. I'm going to explain the way a perfume is put together now. If you think of it like a pyramid, that's the easiest way to understand it. There are three parts to the pyramid. The top of the pyramid is made of top notes. Now these are notes that are fresh and light and sharp and they don't hang around for too long. They might be things like bergamot, lemon, orange, grapefruit, pink peppercorn. They're citrusy, they're spicy, they're green maybe. 
something very light and fresh and sharp that make a very pleasant smell and they don't hang around for too long. And then you have your heart notes. These are rich, sumptuous smells, maybe floral smells like jasmine or rose. They're very popular as heart notes. Maybe if it's a different kind of fragrance, it can be something woody or mossy or green. Maybe it could be something spicy and oriental. Maybe it could be something fruity or something that smells almost like as if you could eat it. That stays around a lot longer. And at the end, you have your bass notes. And these stay around the longest of all. You have things like tonka bean. That's a kind of special oriental spice. You have vanilla. You have musk. Things like that. And they stay around a long, long time. They're not terribly strong sometimes, but it means that you can smell perfume on you for a long time after you've put it on. And that's what makes the perfume last, the base notes. Now perfume obviously is made up of a number of different ingredients and I'm just going to explain a little bit about those. First thing that's in a perfume obviously are essential oils because perfume is floral, usually smells of flowers or smells of woods or spices or things like that. So we need to get that kind of smell into the mix, don't we? So you have the oils from the flowers and the spices. So that's what's in there. And that is blended with perfumer's alcohol and distilled water. Now there are different strengths of perfume and they go by different names. And I'm going to explain that to you now. The lightest one is eau de cologne. So that is two to 5% of essential oils to perfumer's alcohol and a little distilled water. So you have a very light, fresh kind of scent that won't last too long if you buy eau de cologne. Going one up, you have 5 to 10% essential oils to alcohol and water, and that one is eau de toilette. A lot of people like eau de toilette. There's a, quite a bit of lasting, not too much. It's not too strong. So people tend to wear that, and it's also quite reasonably priced, eau de toilette is, and that is 5 to 10%. 10 to 30% of essential oils to perfumers alcohol is eau de parfum. This is my own personal choice. I think it's better value personally because I have to use less of it and it lasts longer. It's a bit more expensive, but personally, that is the one I choose to wear. 30 to 50% is your pure parfum that comes in very small bottles and it doesn't come with a spray. You just have to dab it on with a stopper or your finger. And that is your pure parfum, 30 to 50% of oils to perfumers alcohol. And that's the strongest of all, unless you go for a very rare and expensive attar and those are pure blended oils. You might have heard of something called attar of roses. My great-grandmother used to like Bulgarian attar of roses. That's what she used to wear, and it was an amazing smell. People don't wear that these days. <laughs> That's the strongest, strongest of all. Now, if you read about perfumes online, you might hear the word sillage, as I've mentioned before, S-I-L-L-A-G-E. And you might wonder what that means. I'll tell you. It means the way the perfume behaves around you. 
how thick it is in the air around you and how far away from you people can smell it. That is sillage. And people might say, if you go to a site, say like Fragrantica, and you read about a certain perfume there, they actually talk about how big the sillage is. Is it small? Is it medium? Is it big or is it enormous? <laughs> An enormous sillage would be where if I was walking past you, you'd get a huge waft of some perfume which would punch you in the face and probably give you a headache. <laughs> that would be an enormous sillage and you'd be able to smell it ages after I'd gone past you and was yards down the road. Whereas a tiny little sillage would be something that you couldn't even smell unless I was really up close and in your face. So that's what sillage means. Now let's talk a bit about perfume bottles. I personally love perfume bottles and I always like when I get a new perfume to see what the bottle is like. The correct name for a perfume bottle is a flacon, a flacon. These days, designers are bringing out new perfume. They design their own flacons to reflect the character of what's inside. Now, the crazy thing is that you really do need to keep your perfume out of the light. People make flacons to be displayed, don't they? But really, it's not a terribly good idea to keep perfume bottles on your dressing table to be shown off. It's really best to keep them in a drawer out of the light. That's where I keep most of mine. All of mine, actually. So I keep mine in a dressing table drawer and just open it now and again to gloat over my beautiful, many and varied flacons. But in the old days, you used to be able to get lovely antique cut crystal flacons for perfume. And I do have a few of those, which I keep full of different eau de colognes. They have such a small amount of perfume in them that I don't think it matters too much if I keep those on my dressing table. And I love my cut crystal flacons. <laughs> they look so beautiful. The most expensive perfume in the world is really expensive because of its flacon. And that is Clive Christian's Imperial Majesty. It has a flacon of cut lead crystal, which is latticed with 24 karat gold and set with flawless white diamonds. The stopper is a cut crystal lion. It has yellow diamond eyes and a pink diamond set into its tongue. The scent inside is made of lemon, bergamot, jasmine, carnation and cardamom. It takes six months to distill enough flowers and spices to make one bottle of scent. There are only 10 bottles of scent for the women and 10 for the men made every year. And do you know how much a bottle of that will set you back? Hold your breath. $215,000. I'll take two. Now let's talk a little bit about perfume families. This is a term you might have heard. For ease of memory, perfume is divided into four groups. Floral, that's the biggest one. Citrus. Chypre, I'll explain that in a minute. And Oriental. Chypre is a big family. They are perfumes that you might think of as green, woody scented. And lots of people like them. They have woodsy, earthy, mossy green notes. 
some people add floral notes into that greenness. Some people add fruity, florally, spicy notes into that greenness. I think the best example I can give you of Chypre is the classic Guerlain Mitsuko. I read on a blog recently when people were asking about where the best Chypre perfumes were. There's Mitsuko and then there's everything else. <laughs> so that's a good example of Chypre for you. Let's go to citrus next. This is a kind of perfume that I really love to wear, especially for day wear. Obviously, the name of this is self-explanatory. Light, fresh, sharp, zingy, not unpleasantly sharp. People add a little floral note into this sometimes. People add a little green note into it. Also, people add aromatics with herbs into it too sometimes. My favourite citrus, I would say, is Calvin Klein's CK1. Cool thing about this perfume is it's unisex. So the husbands can wear it too as an aftershave, but it doesn't smell masculine. I really like it. It's a shareware perfume, CK1 is. I really do like that one. Let's do floral now. Floral is huge. There are so many different kinds of florals. Let's do fleur solis first. What fleurcely is, it's basically something that smells of one kind of flower. Like, for example, orange blossom. My favourite is Joe Malone's orange blossom. And that's a cologne, so it's very, very light and delicate. Then you have perfumes that are like a bouquet of flowers, like, for example, Miss Dior's Blooming Bouquet. That's a lovely one and gorgeous for this time of year. Then you can have floral that's been mixed in with fruitiness. My favourite here is Marc Jacobs. Marc Jacobs have some lovely perfumes. Um, they're so versatile. We'll talk more about them later. Marc Jacobs Dot, I would say, is my favourite for fruity. It's strawberry and it's just so delicious. Strawberry and flowers. Yummy. Then you have your green florals. I say Chanel number no. 19 is the best green floral there is. It's just so fresh and light and spring-like, just absolutely delicious. The other one there is, is a kind of watery floral. Hard to describe what a watery floral smells like. Flowers in the rain is the closest I can come to it. Isimayaki's Lodisi is, I think, the best watery floral. Isimayaki, obviously, with a name like that, he's Japanese, and he thought that perfume was Western and vulgar, and the only way he'd have a perfume was if it smelt like water. I wouldn't say that Lodisi smells like water, but it does smell like a handful of flowers after the rain's fallen on them. I think it's beautiful. I would also say that Calvin Klein's Eternity smells watery to me, although it's not classed as an aquatic, but I think it smells like flowers in the rain. I think it's beautiful. Let's go on now to the next and last group, and this is Orientals. Orientals don't suit everyone because they are a heavy perfume. They're deep and rich, spicy. They're not for the shy let's just say. <laughs> I love them personally. There are several groups here. You have your oriental florals. 
So flowers and spices have been mixed together for a very exotic smell. So we have things like Britney Spears' Curious. I would put Marc Jacobs' Lola as an oriental floral. Peonies and pink peppercorns, absolutely yummy, yummy, yummy. And Kenzo flowers, that's another one I love. Lots of musk in the base and lots of spices and lots of exotic flowers, like maybe ginger lilies I think I can smell there. It's just absolutely yummy. Oriental spicy is the next category. And this is my classic, classic oriental favourite. I only wear it if I'm wearing some kind of drop-dead elegant cocktail dress and going out on a function. But it is totally a classic fragrance. And this is Yves Saint Laurent's Opium. It's just, oh, I think I bought my first bottle of it when I was 19. <laughs> I was way too young for it then. <laughs> but I've always loved it. It's just a classic, classic, spicy, exotic, femme fatale kind of fragrance. I love it to pieces. Now, the last category I'm going to talk about is called gourmand oriental. Gourmand is a French word for a, a person who lives to eat, let's say. <laughs> and a gourmand perfume is one that smells as if you could eat it. The prime example of this is one I'm sure you'll all know, and that's Thierry Mugler's Angel. It's one of my favourites. It smells of fruit on top and honey and chocolate and vanilla underneath. It's just so nice. That is the prime example of a gourmand oriental. It's just so, so good. That's given you a really good grounding in the kinds of fragrances there are, the groups and the families. But under all those groups, there are subgroups. There's a huge amount to learn about fragrances. And there's a, a fair amount of snobbery about fragrance, like there is about wine. But don't be intimidated by anything you read online. The bottom line is, you wear what smells good on you, and you wear what you like. Whether it costs $100 or £100, or whether it's that one you picked up for a few pounds in home bargains, or a few dollars in Walgreens, you wear what makes you feel special. To end with, here are a couple of my personal favourites. I've talked before about the Marc Jacobs range. Marc Jacobs does an enormous amount of perfumes for the youthful, I would say. If you're young, or even if you want to feel young, these perfumes have an enormously youthful, happy, bouncy, sunshiny vibe. I just love them. From the white flowers of Daisy and the amazingly long lineup of Daisy sisters Daisy Osafresh, Daisy Dream, Daisy Delight. Oh, there are millions of them. To Lola and her sisters, Honey, Dot, and all the rest of them, they're all worth trying out. They are very, very likable. Then, if you want to try something a little bit different, here are two that I wear a lot, and they're both classics. Guerlain is the oldest perfume house in the world at the moment. It's not for everybody because the perfumes are a little bit stronger, but I love the scent of violets. It's probably my signature scent at the moment, and Guerlain Insolence is a beautiful violet perfume. It mixes violets, a little bit of green, so they smell as if they've just been in a shower, and rich red berries. 
It's warm, sweet, rich, exotic. It's just delicious. The last one was launched in 1929. It takes 10,000 flowers harvested in the town of Gras in the south of France in just two weeks to make one ounce of pure parfum. It's roses, it's jasmine. It's light, delicate, but very pervasive, and I got married in it. It's Jean Patou's joy. And to me, it is pure joy, and it's what a fragrance should be. It makes me feel totally attractive. And that is where I leave you for today. I hope you've enjoyed this little talk. I hope you've learned something. And if you don't wear fragrance very often, I hope this has encouraged you to go out and try some. I'm Lulu Hartchin. Have a great day. Smell delicious. I'll see you again soon.